Well, it's five o'clock again. 5 p.m. that is. Don't open the brandy or the wine or the Bacardi just yet. Don't. Don't do it. It's too early. Welcome to the programme. It's me, your BBG, with you till seven o'clock as usual. I might have two guests. I certainly have one. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. You may, if you choose, reach me, speak to me through my website, richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live. It's Tuesday's programme and it's already, already, already the 20th of December 2022. How exciting. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, I will certainly be joined a bit later on in the programme by the one and only Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond, the great journalist. I've invited Ryan on to have a good wrap-up, a good round-up of the big news stories stateside in the US, but also here in the UK as well. So Ryan Christian will be with me a little bit later on. But I've been chatting today with a priest called Father even Frank Pavone. Now, Frank has been defrocked, would you believe, by the Catholic Church. Um, He has been an advisor of former US President Donald Trump. He's been defrocked by the Vatican. Uh, This was uh, conveyed to him in a letter from Pope Francis's representative in the US, Archbishop Christophe Pierre. And this this letter, defrocking uh, Father Frank Pavone, was obtained by the New York Times. And I've invited him on because he is a very well-known anti-abortion campaigner. And I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, why he has been defrocked. Lots to talk about with him. And I say he might be on. We've been chatting all day long. And I'm leaving a window of opportunity open for him to come on. He's doing lots and lots of interviews. But we've been chatting, you see. And he's going to try and fit us in this hour. That's you and me. So we'll, we'll keep it open for Father Frank Pavone. And let's hope he makes it then. I very rarely do that. But I'm very intrigued by this gentleman, Father Frank. Because he did something which we remarked upon briefly on this programme a few years ago. You might remember just before the presidential election in 2016, Father Frank placed an aborted fetus on his altar, on his altar, a real aborted fetus on his altar. And it was shared on Facebook. There was, well, there was a lot of talk about this at the time, as you can well understand. And uh, he urged his congregation to vote for Donald Trump to, to oppose the continued killing of children. That happened back in 2016. We talked about that at the time. But a very interesting man and uh, seems to be a nice man too. We've been chatting today and let's hope we, we get him on. As I said, Ryan Christian, a bit later. You can regale me with your opinions on anything you like. The usual way, richieallen.co.uk. Get that microphone in tight there, Baldy. I don't know what's going on today. There are gremlins everywhere. It must be the season for it. That must be it. How are you, by the way? You excited about Sunday? Are you not? Do you not care? I've done that thing. I I haven't. I've, I've resisted it thus far. I did play a Christmas tune on the Sunday programme on Sunday. But uh, I've resisted dropping one in to uh, the Richie Allen show. But I will be playing a Christmas song or two today and tomorrow. 
and Thursday, if you don't mind, okay? And if you do mind, well, tough cookies, yes, yes, okay. What do I want to talk about now? Just a couple of race-related things which always amuse me. I never get involved. I never talk to my neighbours. I'd rather not get involved, as Marcy once sang with the Smiths. I don't mean my neighbours. I don't get involved in the in, in the race baiting. But there is a Tory MP who will be spoken to by the police after a man accused him of racist abuse. Now, this is a Tory MP you don't hear of very often. It's a guy called Bob Stewart. Let me just do something there briefly. Hang on a second now, because this is winding me up something else, I tell you. Let me try that. I've uh, just given myself a little bit of volume. And you're saying, you're loud enough there. You don't need any more volume there, Richie. I've had to give myself a wee bit more volume there so that I'm louder in your ear, in your shell-like. So Bob Stewart is a Tory MP and a Tory MP is he. And he has been accused of racism by a man called Ahmed or Ahmed Alwadi or Alwadi. Let's say it's Alwadi, right? Ahmed Alwadi. He says, Alwadi, that he is living in exile having been tortured in Bahrain, the Kingdom of Bahrain. So Scotland Yard is getting involved in this, which is absolutely pathetic and hilarious in equal parts, because apparently Bob Stewart told this man, this activist Ahmed Alwadi, to go back to Bahrain <laughs> during a confrontation. You see, allegedly Bob Stewart has taken campaign funds from the Kingdom of Bahrain. And this guy was lying in wait for him, this Bahrainian man who claims that he has been tortured. And he might well have been tortured, I don't know. Why would he lie about something like that? And the Metropolitan Police said, the, we've opened a case after this. What happened basically was this guy ran up to, to Bob Stewart, the MP, ran up to him, started shouting at him. As some of these people, by people I mean activists now, I don't mean brown-skinned people. Don't panic. As activists are sometimes prone to do, shouting at people without giving them a chance to, to respond. So he ran up to uh, Stuart, who's the MP for Beckenham in London, and uh, he said, um, started screaming at him about taking money from Bahrain. And Stuart said, get stuffed. Bahrain is a great place. End of. Go away, says, says Stuart. I hate you. You make a lot of fuss. Go back to Bahrain. <laughs> And the police, the old bill, have opened an investigation into it. Racist abuse, says the young man. The papers have picked this up today. Is it worth the? Is it worth our time? Is it on this program? It isn't. It isn't. I suppose. Uh, Al Wade is the director of the Bahrain Institute for Rights and Democracy, and I bet you he's the only one in that institution. The Bahrain Institute for Rights and Democracy, founded by this guy who says he was tortured in Bahrain. And that reminds me of the guy, the Syrian guy, uh, who was kicked out of Syria by the Assad government. What's his name? He is, he runs an organisation in Britain to do, this has gone right out of my head, I should have researched this. What's the guy's name? He sells t-shirts in Coventry and describes himself as the some sort of institute for human rights in Syria. But he's in Coventry and he sells t-shirts for a living. And the media a few years ago were very fond of quoting the guy as if he was some sort of expert. Do you know who I'm talking about? I think you might do. As the time is coming up for eight minutes past five. Yes. 
Yes, shut up, you tart, is what I say. Don't be screaming at people and then crying about it when they have a go back at you. What is it with these idiots? Not just um, this Bahrainian gentleman, but what is it about people in general in 2022? They're, they're, they're very fond of, not so much publicly, but they're very fond of social, on social media and online forums, having a go at people and screaming at them. But the minute somebody has a go back, they go straight into meltdown. We were made of tougher stuff than that, you and me, weren't we? At least I was anyway. I can't say much about you because I don't know. And here's another one. I wrote about this. Well, I didn't write about this. I swiped this today. A judge has ruled that joking about chaining staff to their desks is intrinsically racist. That is, if it's said to a black person. Now, I didn't work in too many offices over the years. I worked in radio for some years, for many years, and I had an office, but I certainly wasn't tied to it. I was a kind of a roving kind of a guy. I was roving around doing stuff, always up on, on my feet and going to places, but I never really worked in an office where you have to spend eight hours there and you get a half an hour for, for dinner or for lunch and you get 15-minute breaks in the morning and one in the afternoon. I've never had to do that. But this woman who works in a, a situation like that took her boss to court because her boss said, why, you keep disappearing. I'll have to chain you to your desk. <laughs> this is a cleaning company in Manchester. Adele Waring is the black woman. Took Teresa McArdle to, ta- to task even. Now, Teresa McArdle, that's as Irish as, 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 uh, as John Murphy, right? So um, the tribunal was told that Teresa McArdle made the comment to Adele Waring after she repeatedly left her workstation. Adele, where are you going again? I'm going to have to chain you to your desk. She said, uh, Waring, who is of Caribbean heritage, that the comment and other instances like that are basically tantamount to racial discrimination. And incredibly, the judge upheld the complaint. Uh, Pauline Feeney said, yeah. And the woman was awarded 18,000, 18,000 pounds. <laughs> what I would say to anybody now, if you're, if you're white, let's just say, oh, oh go on then, I'll, I'll go for a bit of race baiting today, even though this isn't race baiting in the slightest. Do you know what you'll need to do now in the future, in an in, in office situation? You're going to have to wear a body cam. You'll have to wear a body cam because somebody, and do you know, the, the, this is how I see it. I reckon the, the great majority of people of colour or the great majority of BAME people that is black and Asian and minority, ethnic, the, the great majority are nice people. They don't give a damn. They're not interested in this sort of thing. But there's always one in a minority group. It could be any minority group. It could be... LGBT, it could be colour, it could be any minority group, there's always one looking for it. You'll have to wear body cameras in future in the office environment to, to, to basically head off these types of claims because we're hearing a lot lately about something called microaggressions, aren't we? We talked a lot about that on this programme in the last couple of years. The idea that you could be a pretty decent person going about your business in the work environment, in the office, you get hauled in because a minority person or a person from a minority group uh, claims that you looked at them a certain way or that when you spoke to them, you had a certain tone of voice and you'll have to be, you know, you're on the back foot straight away then, aren't you? You have to accept it because if you don't accept it, you're just digging a bigger hole for yourself. 
Ah, so you're even more racist than you were when I called you in to say that you microaggressed somebody. You see, when you did the microaggression, you were kind of being a bit racist. But now you're denying it. You're saying that the person imagined it, so that's gaslighting. So now you're even more of a racist than I first thought you were. That's how it's going to be. You're going to have to wear body cameras. No joke, by the way. Body cameras to avoid this sort of stuff in the future. Adele, you're always gone. I'll have to chain you to your desk. And that's £18,000, please. Ching, ching. Unbelievable. Jeremy Clarkson, according to Ross Clark in The Telegraph, and I kind of like this. I read The Telegraph for the programme. I read The Times, The Guardian, The Independent, the websites, RTE, BBC, all of them, everything. I don't agree with much of what I read, but anywho, Ross Clark writing in The Telegraph said that the biggest mistake Jeremy Clarkson made was to capitulate to the baying mob on social media who screamed from the rooftops about his article about Meghan Markle, which went into the suns, uh, went into the sun on Saturday, and it was online, of course, as well. He described some fantasy about Meghan Markle having to parade naked through the streets of the UK while excrement was flung on horror. It was said that it was a fairly clumsy satirical reference to Game of Thrones, but other people said, well, he kept it going, and at the end of the article, he did say that most people over a certain age feel like him, so it's terrible. Talked about this yesterday with Caroline Farrell. And I wouldn't write it. It's not very clever. You think if you're writing opinion pieces and you're writing them about characters like Meghan Markle or, or anyone who invites a lot of comment, right? Be a bit funnier than that. I don't know if Clarkson is funny. I've not read too many of his columns over the years. Not lately, anyway. But be a bit, that's a bit crass and a bit silly. So uh, Ross Clark in the Telegraph says he was wrong uh, to crawl uh, to the people, the wrong people, uh, giving them the moral high ground. I don't, I don't know that he did. He, he posted a tweet that seemed to be pretty smug about apologising um, for all the furore he's caused or something like that. Anywho, it transpires that 65 MPs led by Caroline Noakes, the chairman of the Women and Equality Select Committee. Why did they say that? She's the chairwoman of the Women and Equality Select Committee. She wrote an open letter to the editor of The Sun, Victoria Newton, calling for definitive action. They want Clarkson to be fired by The Sun, these women. Uh, 54 women and 11 male MPs. You won't be surprised to learn that Stella Creasy lent her signature to uh, this letter. Just look Stella Creasy if you don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, it's forever screaming about... Hates men. That's unfair. I don't know if she hates men or not. Gives the impression she does though. I didn't see Jess Phillips' name there. But anywho, they wrote, We are horrified at the recent article by Jeremy Clarkson in your publication. As parliamentarians of every persuasion, we condemn in the strongest terms the violent misogynistic language against the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. It has no place in our country and it's unacceptable that it was allowed to be published in a mainstream newspaper. They added these MPs, 54 women, 11 men. Hateful articles, that's a quote, like the one published last week, do not exist in a vacuum and they directly contribute to threats such as those previously received by the Duchess. They concluded enough is enough. We can't allow this type of behaviour to go unchecked, blah, 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 blah. We now demand action is taken against Clarkson and an unreserved apology 
is issued to Ms. Markle immediately. We further demand definitive action is taken to ensure no article like this is ever published again. The right to cause offence. The right to cause offence. Where does that begin and end? Do let me know while we have time to do it on richieallen.co.uk. Where does it begin and end? You know, are there things that should be unsayable? Even if they're not illegal, are there things that should be unsayable? Let me know. richieallen.co.uk comment live. I'm going to take my first Christmas song of the day. Ryan Christian, The Last American Vagabond, will join me a bit later on. Might have a guest before that. We'll see how it plays out. It's live radio. And it's very live indeed today. It's very lively. This is Wham! And Last Christmas. Richie Allen with you till 7 o'clock this Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Five days to the big day. Music from Wham! That's Last Christmas on the Richie Allen Show Tuesday's programme. It's lovely to be with you. Hey, my pal Jean Ann Crowley is telling me that she believes that Jeremy Clarkson is pretty is on pretty good terms with uh, Camilla, the wife of Charles, that was uh, the former Camilla Parker Bowles. And allegedly, Clarkson had lunch with Camilla the week before, and they would have been conflabbing and quaffing a few drinks, maybe, and maybe Camilla maybe conveyed to Jeremy Clarkson what that generation feels about Meghan Markle. And in the article, he was channeling the royal family, says Jean Anne. And Clarkson is a columnist, um, and sadly, uh, irony, satire, hyperbole, those things appear utterly incomprehensible to the Wokarati. Clarkson's daughter has seemingly come out and says her father is a bit of a dipstick. That's right. She has done. I Look, I ultimately understand that these issues dominate the media landscape, to use a terrible cliche. They dominate the, 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 the news feeds for a time. And they do that because they conveniently cover up other things that are going on. And it's dreadful to me to see so much time given to it by the BBC, obviously ITV, ITN, I should say. And then you have GB News and Talk TV. And you have complete cretins like Piers Morgan, the ultimate cretin. I mean, the ultimate cretin. The biggest fake journalist there's ever been, Piers. How did Piers Morgan avoid the phone tapping arrests. How did Piers Morgan not end up sitting in a police station over phone hacking and phone tapping? When you think of when he was the editor of the Daily Mirror, how did Morgan get away with that? Now Morgan would say, I didn't do any phone tapping and there isn't any evidence. And I have to put my hands up and say, I don't have any evidence that he did. But Piers Morgan, spending hours and hours on it. What's the obsession? with Piers Morgan. Morgan apparently was pretty pally with Meghan Markle. And then she did that thing, didn't she, that some people do. And it isn't very nice. It hasn't happened to me but once, maybe, over the years in the media, when somebody just completely ignores you, drops you, and just doesn't respond to your messages anymore and just says, well, that's it. Well, they don't, they don't tell you anything. 
It's happened to me one time, right? A good few years ago now. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. But, but apparently Markle did this to Morgan. And since then, Morgan has had, well, not to put too fine a point on it, a hard-on for Meghan Markle, hasn't he? What has Meghan Markle done to anybody? I mean, there, there's so much more going on with the royal family in terms of the relationships of the king of the United Kingdom, the king of the Commonwealth. There's so much more going on there in terms of his relationships with bishops that were banged up for, for child abuse, with uh, Jimmy Savile, you know, the best friend of Jimmy Savile. That's not a cheap independent media barb. That's not a cheap job. He was Jimmy Savile's best friend. They spent an inordinate amount of time together. That's so interesting, isn't it? His uncle, Mountbatten, a pederast who was blown up by the IRA. All of these people. Prince Andrew. What else was he getting up to? And yet there's an obsession with Meghan Markle, who's an actress who I enjoyed watching in a television show called Suits. Well, I really enjoyed that for about five seasons. And then it got a bit repetitive. If you've never watched it, and if you're fed up of the telly at Christmas, because the telly will be absolutely crap at Christmas. It always is. And if you don't have one of the subscription services, um, go on to some website and download Suits for free. It's very good, and Meghan Markle is very good in it. And it's amazing when you ask somebody, why do you hate Meghan Markle? Look what she done to her father. But she didn't do it to you, though. Thomas Markle. Do you think Meghan Markle caused the heart attacks in Thomas Markle only a week before he was due to fly in to take his part in the wedding ceremony? Thomas Markle. Why doesn't anybody ask about that? Nobody. Now, this is not, you know, this is not the straw man stuff. I'm not doing straw man. I'm not. But it just makes me laugh. What did this woman do to anybody? She's pretty gorgeous, isn't she? Is that it? Is it blanking people? Is it being a bit of a Hollywood diva? How bad is that? I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, a bit of perspective. If we want to play uh, the Richie Allen show as a tabloid show today, if you want to play that game, what has this woman ever done to anyone? Look at the circumstances around the death of Princess Diana. That's interesting, isn't it? What does Prince Harry give me a, a break that I that I that I would refer to these people by their titles? What does this bloke Harry think about the the way his mother died? I mean, everybody with a brain has as suspects that foul play was at work there. That this wasn't a case of you know a bad bodyguard and a terrible a terrible driver who'd had too many drinks and was driving too fast. Nobody buys that. So, presumably, and it's always dangerous to presume, presume Harry doesn't believe it either. It's very Hamlet-esque, isn't it? And did his, did his late grandfather play any part in that? He's dead now. We'll never get anything out of him. We wouldn't have anyway. And yet they're going for this woman constantly. Constantly. You sound like James O'Brien, Richie. Stop now. <laughs> It's disgusting. <laughs> That's what it is. But yeah, there's so much going on there. And they they spend so much time on this woman. It's 27 minutes past the hour. It's nice to be the devil's advocate. Lovely. 
Jean-Anne is really into the royals. I don't know why that is. But Jean-Anne is a lady of a certain age. She's, um, I'm not patronising her now. She's a, a young woman. I mean, she's not an old woman, Jean-Anne. What I mean by a woman of a certain age is the, the, the Irish women I know who would be similar in, of similar age to Jean-Anne, they have a little bit of sympathy for the royal family, for the queen, and a little bit of sympathy or more for the late Princess Diana. There is a generation of Irish people. And I suppose that generation of Irish people having that little bit of sympathy for the Queen, who wasn't a cuddly little figurehead. I'm not getting into this now. I've done it too many times. Who the Queen was. British Columbia. Don't get me started, right? Um, But there is that sympathy out there. This obsession with the Markles. And then... People telling me, you know, Richie, you've got no idea how clever and how bad she is. But but you don't either. The people having a go at this woman haven't spent five minutes with her. (laughs) Yes, I saw Megan in Suits. We watched Suits when it came out. Very good. Very funny. Suits is a programme about a man who fakes his way into a law firm. A law firm which represents companies and corporations and big deals. And this young man who's got a a memory like an elephant. How do you pronounce it again? <laughs> I trip myself up all the time. It's um adatic memory, isn't it? How do you I've got one, I should know. Yes, somebody who reads something once and doesn't ever have to read it again. You might occasionally be be blown away by the recall of the Baldy Gammon, or you probably are not ever blown away by it. But if you are, if you do sometimes find yourself thinking, Jesus, Richie pulled that out of nowhere there. I have a very good memory. In the, in the TV series Suits, a guy blags his way into a job and gets on very well there, a young man, while trying to conceal his secret that he really shouldn't be working for this law firm. He shouldn't be in court because he doesn't have the qualifications to do it, right? Right. And uh, that's it, really. And this character eventually becomes the love interest of Meghan Markle's character. She plays a... What do they call him? Help me out here now. In in law, they're not interns, are they? No, paralegal. That's right. She's a paralegal who has ambition to become a lawyer. And that's what Suits is about in a nutshell. And she's good in it. And I like her. So I'm sticking up for Meghan Markle. And Maria Heller will be on this programme tomorrow night. My great friend Maria uh, from the Bronx, but she's in, she's in Arizona. And she's going to go to bat for Meghan Markle on this programme, is Maria Heller. And other things as well tomorrow evening. Where was I? Something else I wanted to tell you about there now. And it's gone right out of my head. Yeah. Have a, have a look. at This is really interesting, right? Early retirement is being blamed for stoking inflation and damaging growth while adding pressure to already strained public services. Says who? Well, says a report, by the way, into Britain's so-called missing workers. Have you been hearing about this? Missing workers. Missing workers are people who have left the, the jobs market since the start of the COVID thing. And that's around about 570,000 people, by the way. So the House of Lords, or a House of Lords committee, has looked into this. 
What has happened to these people who have just left the workforce or the workplace since the start of the scamdemic? What's going on? Well, they found that early retirement among people aged between 50 and 64 was the main driver of the trend. And according to the Times, the number of people who are out of work owing to long-term illness is also at a record high. I wonder why. I wonder people are out of work uh, or I wonder why we are at an all-time high of absenteeism th- due to long-term illness. I wonder why, dear listener. What's different? What has happened in the last 18 months, two years, that might be driving so much inactivity and confining so many people to their homes because of long-term illness? I don't know. You have a guess and then I'll have a guess. Yeah. So um, much of the rise is among people who were already inactive, meaning they were neither working nor were they looking for work. So the evidence the House of Lords Committee came up with suggests it's an increase in the number of people retiring earlier as a lifestyle choice after the pandemic that is squeezing the supply of labour because it isn't just hospitality, seasonal hospitality now, it isn't chops and what have you. Um, Pretty much every sector is saying that there is a huge shortage of labour. House of Lords Committee is saying uh, over nearly 600,000 people are just not available for work, inactive, not in work, no plans to get a job. If you come across that, if you see any of that in your family, it's richieallen.co.uk, comment live, the time is 27 minutes to the top of the hour. BBG with you till 7 o'clock. I've got to give a big plug to uh, Christmas Morning Melodies, Christmas Morning Melodies will take place this Christmas morning, strangely enough, at 10 o'clock UK time. I'll be with you for two hours and I'll have some beautiful tunes for you. Beautiful tunes for you. And and some lovely chat too. That's Christmas morning at 10am. Back with your comments after this. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immune X365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Lovely. Yeah, it's me, the BBG. Again, I'm having sound issues today, which is not ordinarily the case. Hang on, let's try that. Is that a bit better now? I'm not asking you, by the way, so you don't need to answer me. I'm listening to myself and I'm juggling a couple of things here. I think that's a bit better. Now, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah, strange. Aren't um, sophisticated broadcasting consoles purely digital ones? Aren't they strange beasts? Nothing should ever change. Once things are locked in, settings and whatnot, they should never change. But things are changing. Anywho, Alice, Alice says, who the fuck? Alice says, missing workers are vaccine damaged or dead. Give over, Alice. Maybe some are. Why don't you say some are? 
And then we might, you know. Faisal says, who the hell can afford to retire early anyway? Not me, Faisal. That makes two of us, pal. Nelly says, I'm glad you decided to watch the series, Richie. We watched it when it came out. So it's been out since, what, 2014? 2015? That's right. Apparently the Queen sat down with Meghan Markle and said, if you like... Not going to even go there with the Queen uh, impersonation. Apparently the Queen said, if you'd like to continue your acting endeavours, I I decree, I, I bless you, my child. The Queen being the head, of course, of the Protestant Church. Bloody proddies. The, the, the Queen said, absolutely, go ahead, go back to the acting. There you are, if you believe that. Okay. No takers on Th- Thomas Markle, no. And MI5, no takers at all, no. You know, that was an amazing thing, wasn't it? For for Thomas Mar- Markle to have two simultaneous heart attacks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I remember several days before anything happened to Thomas Markle. I remember this. I was laughing with the future Mrs. A. We were having a good giggle about the upcoming wedding and all the nonsense that the television channels were vomiting force about this wedding. It it was nonsense. It was wall-to-wall, morning, noon and night coverage. And we were laughing. Now listen, I come from a working-class housing estate. I am a working-class kid. I am proud of it. I don't have so much as a smidgen, nor a scintilla of snobbery. None of the above. I don't, right? I am warts and all me. I live in... I was born on a council estate, I live on a council estate, and I'm very proud of it. The most intelligent, the most decent people I've ever met in my life, working class people. So that's the caveat done. That's the preamble. We were watching this coverage, and myself and the missus fell into fits of giggles, looking at the state of Thomas Markle. Look at the f***ing state of him. (laughs) And I swear... The missus said to me, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened that prevented him from going to the wedding. (laughs) Breaking news. Harry's future father-in-law has just had two simultaneous heart attacks. Please disperse. Nothing to see here, please. Hi to Angela Lambert. Hi, Angela. Lovely to hear from you today. Richie, I've got no interest in Meghan Markle or Harry Windsor. I think they are entitled and spoiled, nothing more than that. And I'm not a fan of the so-called royals. Amen, sister. Neither am I. How could anybody be? What's wrong with you? Especially you Irish people. You know, I suppose nobody's perfect. Steve James says, Richie, news just coming in that Terry Hall from the specials has just died suddenly after a short illness. That is right. And your man Duffy, the keyboard player from Primal Scream, he's died as well. And he was in his mid-50s. But you can't... We can do this till we're blue in the face. Look, somebody died in middle age. And I understand, Steve. I understand. And it is my it is my understanding, let's stay with the understanding theme, that deaths of people in middle age are skyrocketing. Far more than the seasonal average. Have you got a set of statistics there, Baldy? No, but I was looking at some today. Credible statistics. And um, I don't have them to hand. But yes, people are dropping dead. And it is a more frequent occurrence than it would have been in winters gone by. I believe the jabs are playing a part. I believe that's self-explanatory, right? 
But we don't know. When we hear about individuals, uh, Terry Hall and, and Jermaine Duffy, who's, whose first name uh, escapes me. But uh, yes, yeah, Steve, I hear you. Darren says, Clarkson was at least being flippant at worst out of order. I think out of order, says Darren. Yeah. There's nothing witty about that. So I can't remember the last time I read a Clarkson article, but that's not witty. You could take down... I mean, if you have a perception that Meghan Markle is an uppity, God, don't say that. They'll come for you then. If you think she's diva-esque, if you think she's a liar, if she thinks she's playing games, there are ways you can write articles to make those points which will amuse the reader and make your point maybe a bit more subtly. Clarkson went straight for the walking down the street with people throwing poo at her. Not great. Greg says, Seems me and my family all have COVID or a cold. Banging headaches, says Greg. Thanks for that, Greg. Glad I know that now. Craig says, Is the targeting of Clarkson really about offence or is it part of the bigger message we have been seeing over the last couple of years, basically telling us plebs that we are not allowed to be critical of our so-called elite leaders? That's a point. He says, Does Craig, because Clarkson's public persona has always been that of a rebellious and naughty schoolboy and his recent comments about Meghan are in line with that persona. Yes. Indeed. Hi to Diane, who says, My slap back line is, You are entitled to your opinion no matter how ill-informed and incorrect it is. It's a great shut-the-feck-up line for people who talk bollocks. It works every time, says Diane. Hi to rude boy Marcus, and Merry Christmas to you too, Marcus. Hope all is well. And a number of you are opining on microaggressions. And Craig came back to say that his brother was recently hauled over the coals at work for addressing his team as chaps. <laughs> Why? Was there a female employee there? Was there a non-binary in there? You know I don't have a right-wing bone in my body. You know that. You know that. You've been listening to me for years and years. Listen to my bullshit. See, you know I don't have a right-wing bone in my body. But I can't be dealing with this non-binary bollocks. You know that? I can't be dealing with it. It's the one thing that is guaranteed to turn me into a playground. Not a bully, but a child. You know, saying things you shouldn't say. Unkind things. I remember that Christy Elan Kane. Remember that nut job? Remember? Um, went bananas. Went bananas because I wrote an article on the website a few years ago. Basically saying that these non-binary people um, were just Muppets. Christy Elan Kane tried to, or, or, or campaigned, to have an option on the passport or on official documents, to have the X option. I'm neither male nor female. I'm neither a man nor a woman. I'm non-binary. You're a fucking idiot. It's as simple as that. I'm non-binary. You're a moron. It's the one thing that's guaranteed to reduce me, a reasonably intelligent bloke with a reasonable command of the English language. It's the one thing that, that turns me into a dickhead. It turns me into a dickhead. That's how bad it is. Non-binary. Fuck off. How about them apples? And thank you, Scottish Al. The guy in Coventry is the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. That's the one. That goes back to the 
story we opened the programme with, the, the guy in Bahrain chasing the Tory MP, screaming at him, calling himself the Bahrain Observatory for Human Rights. One bloke. Yeah, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, Mohammed something or other, who was kicked out of Syria. He was exiled from his own country. Uh, treason, I think. I could be wrong. And uh, he began putting statements out claiming that the Syrian government had done this and the Syrian army had committed this torture. Now, I've said it before, every army commits torture. There are soldiers within every battalion that will do unspeakable things to, the, to, 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 to their opponents. Opponents to other armies, to other soldiers, undoubtedly. You might remember me some years ago having a right pop at um, some woman, I can't remember her name, Bealey, can't remember her first name, this clown. I, I interviewed her years ago. And uh, she claimed to be a journalist, but she was discovered sending text messages to somebody acknowledging that the Syrian government, uh, that the Syrian army was committing human rights abuses, but that she would keep it quiet because it's not good if it gets into the hands of Assad's enemies in the media. So obviously I, I jumped right in with two feet there. Call yourself a journalist. Uh, she'd met Assad one time. She was photographed with Assad. All of her work was all pro-Syria, pro-Assad. Just another paid mouthpiece. Uh, I mean, I supported the Syrian government's right to autonomy and its right to sovereignty during all of this. Of course I did. I'm not an idiot. I, I know what's going on there, right? And I supported Russia's intervention in Syria. But you've got to be a journalist, you see. You can't just say, well, I, I, I found out that the Syrians are committing war crimes, but I'm going to keep it covered up because we don't want the media talking about it. You wench. Anywho, so that's, that's what they were doing, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. He was putting out stories about Syria, just making stuff up, basically, from a T-shirt-making shop in Coventry. And the mainstream media in this country were taking his stories, fairy tales now, Hans Christian Andersen and Enid Blyton would have been applauding some of these fairy tales. Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, right? Slap a Ladybird sticker on that. Slap a Ladybird logo. What a story. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights and they were putting his stuff out like it was true. Amazing. Amazing to me. It's coming up for 14 minutes to the top of the hour. I tell you what, dear listener, it doesn't look like we're going to get Father Frank Pavone today. But I'm not giving up on him. I think we might get him on tomorrow. I've left the this window open for him to come on because we were chatting today quite pleasantly and he was keen to talk. This is the priest who, six years ago, placed an aborted fetus on his altar to shock his congregation into taking up the fight to protect the lives of unborn children. And he received an avalanche of criticism for doing that. He also briefly worked for the Trump administration. And he runs an organisation called priestsforlife.org. Big social media uh, presence. Doesn't pull any punches, doesn't take any prisoners, this guy, as far as I can tell. But I was looking forward to a chat with him today, but it probably won't happen. Now, this is live radio. I took a chance, I took a chance, took a, took a chance. It didn't work. That's it, it didn't work. Here's Tom Petty. Here's Tom Petty, then. We'll be talking all things news and current affairs with Ryan Christian not too far from now on your Richie Allen Show. She's a yeah, music from Tom Petty, that's free falling on the Richie Allen Show for Tuesday. Thanks for your comments, by the way. RichieAllen.co.uk Comment live, that's the way to, uh, to reach me. Hi to Shane. 
Shane says, first time commenting as I usually work 2 till 10. That's not a comment, Shane. <laughs> That's a location status, Shane. Give us a comment. Say something to me. First time commenting as I usually work 2 till 10. Come on, Shane. You can do better than that. Yeah, and the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights is Rami Abdulrahman. That's right. Who I dubbed the fat t-shirt seller. I was being very sizist, which is an, which is an awful way to be. Sizist is terrible. It's, it's no good. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Rami Abdulrahman was the man. The man himself who uh, was used by the media extensively through 2016 and so on. Leslie Palmer says Thomas Markle had two heart attacks. Mark Steen from GB News just had two heart attacks. There you are. I wouldn't read too much into that, to be honest. Uh, the GB News guy, I wouldn't. I think those those who developed these jabs, these COVID jabs that are so obviously doing so much damage now around the world, They've got to allow a little bit of a, a release valve, don't they? They've got to allow for, you know, some media talking about this. And so long as it's framed in a certain context, I, I, they're happy, I reckon, for a little bit of this to be talked about here and there. That um, is just my opinion. I don't imagine Mark Steen or Stain has been targeted just because he dared to talk about uh, the jabs killing people. A lot more, far more famous people with much bigger reaches than Steen have been talking about the jabs doing damage. However, I don't know, Leslie, you see. There might be something in that. I don't know. I just do not know. Speaking of vaccines, this is an interesting one. I'm going to mention this, but I'm not going to put any spin on it because because I just don't know. And I suppose if I was in a commercial radio studio now, my producer would probably tell me, don't say this, because it's not right that you say this, Richie, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Talk TV has got a radio presenter called James Whale, and he's an ignorant bastard in every sense of it. We use the term ignorant in Ireland. I think I've educated you on this point before. Ignorance, of course, means lack of knowledge. We use the term ignorant uh, out of context in, in Ireland. We have our own definition. And ignorant is usually somebody who's not nice. You know, who's obnoxious, basically. Ignorant, obnoxious, right? So that's what I mean when I say he's ignorant. He's an obnoxious prick, James Whale. Always was, always will be. The guy is dying of cancer. That's not nice. That's pretty feckin' horrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. My great friend Paul Ripley went through this recently with his wife Maxine. It's a horrible thing. I could never be that person who dislikes somebody so much that I could wish harm to them or to their family. I think when I was younger I was that person because of the things I was going through as a young, a much, much younger man. But I couldn't be that person. It's horrible. I hope James Whale meets some miraculous recovery. I really do. I dislike him for many reasons. I've... It, I've explained it on this programme before, I won't get into it in any detail here. He allowed an anti-racism campaigner go on his live radio show a year and a half ago and call me every name under the sun, which I don't mind. And I contacted James Whale while he was on air to say, right, get me on, I've got to have my right of reply. And he blocked me, as did Talk 
radio at the time. If I had reported them to Ofcom, my complaint would have been upheld and they would have been fined a few hundred pounds. This is the reason I didn't complain to Ofcom. I was going to get no money out of it, not that I want money, not interested in getting money from talk radio, but what was the point? The, 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 the punishment is so flimsy for allowing somebody to be libeled Zart, I couldn't be arsed. So I don't like James Whale. I think he's a snivelling, toady, red-faced little rat of a man. But I wouldn't wish any harm on the man. I swear on the life of the woman I live with and love, I would never see any harm come to him. That's where I am in my life. That's where my energy is. No harm to him. Why am I mentioning him? Because he's been in hospital receiving treatment for cancer and he tweeted out, and of course the... Those of us, not me, but those of us who are trying to raise the alarm about the fact that the vaccines are causing damage to people, they went into overdrive when James Whale tweeted that he was remaining in hospital because his lungs were full of blood clots. Now, Whale, very pro-COVID jabs, bragged about getting the COVID jabs, photographed himself getting the COVID jabs when he received them. Now, don't start shouting at me that they probably gave him a placebo, Richie, because you don't know that. You might be right, Jesus, I don't know. But just stop with that childish shit. You don't know. Let's assume he didn't have a placebo. So that's why they're going bananas on social media. James Whale has said, ah, oh, blood clots in me lungs. Oh, People are rearing up, as we say back home, rearing up against James Whale. And, uh, you know, insinuating that the blood clots are inevitably, they must be down to the fact that he had his jabs like a good citizen. But, uh, so that's trending, if you want to use that bloody term uh, today. But uh, but we don't know. You see, it's 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 worth mentioning maybe, but we don't know. Yeah, and, and of course the other reason is is because there wasn't anybody more obnoxious, not even James O'Brien, in treating members of the public, listeners, your listeners, the people who listen to you. I mean, listeners are manna from heaven to a radio presenter. You don't have a job if you don't have listeners, particularly in national and commercial radio. If you don't have the figures, they'll just fire you and bring somebody in who does have the figures, the numbers, somebody who can bring in the numbers. As simple as that. It was made abundantly clear to me when I was in radio, producing and presenting, when the figures come out, which come out twice a year, if we're not doing well, you're fucked, son. Fair enough. It's up to me to be good then, as a producer, to make my programmes exciting, back in the day, to encourage my presenter to be a good presenter. So, listeners are important. And he was taking people on his programme who, often women, you know, where's, where's chivalry, who were saying, I'm a bit worried about these vaccines. And he would insult them and call them names and hang up on them. So there's a lot of people today saying, ha ha. There's a lot of Nelson Munces out there. A lot of Nelson. If you just, just be quiet for a second. You can hear it. Ha ha. James, uh, uh, James Whale. He's in hospital with blood clots. And he's the bastard who abused people who are questioning the vaccines. Ha ha. So there's a bit of that as well. Wish no harm on the guy. You're in a bad place, dear listener, if you're wishing harm on somebody, regardless of how much of an arsehole they might happen to be. Patrick says, I left work in 2011. 
official work, working for the man, says Patrick. Who would want to work in a matrix world run by Satanists for some crap company when one doesn't need to, especially when one has skills slash knowledge of the stock market in a new earth when there would be more of an incentive to serve humanity and find a new role? I might go back to work, says Patrick. Not every company is run by Satanists, Patrick. Don't think so. I don't think I ever worked for Satanists. Rob says, good evening, Richie. Have you seen that Andrew Bridgen has been suspended for five days? He has. Yes, not disclosing details of a trip. Yes, he's in breach of the of um, the, parla- the parliamentary code of ethics or standards or something like that. He's been given a suspension, yeah. Rob says, suspicious. Maybe not, Rob. Maybe not. You know, I said, did I or did I not say on this programme? Don't think Andrew Bridgen is an angel. It's fantastic that Andrew Bridgen has asked the questions about the safety of the COVID jobs. It's wonderful. Ma on Buchle, good boy, well done. Top man, 100%. But he's a Tory MP. <laughs> you know, and he has been for what, eight, nine years, something like that? He's a Tory MP. And a Tory MP is he. It's a minute to the top of the hour. We are, you are, you are, you are there, I'm here, it's the Richie Allen Show. With, um... Ryan Christian limbering up. He'll be with us real soon. I'm uh, really looking forward to that. Nice to talk to Ryan. We'll talk about the news to Donald Trump and the Capitol building and all of these accusations about Trump's behaviour on the day, which is nearly two years ago now. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk about the emerging evidence that the jabs are no good at all, isn't there? Or didn't I see evidence from the state of Indiana? Uh, You know, a proper study by proper scientists and it concluded that if you are jabbed you are twice as likely to be ill with COVID whatever that is this winter than if you were not jabbed at all isn't that interesting so we'll talk about that with Ryan and much more it is of course Tuesday's Richie Allen show I am the BBG Richie Allen cold seasonal flu and respiratory diseases we all get them never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack now more than ever it's essential to have a robust immune system inspired by the Zelenko protocol Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RICHIEALLEN365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Yes, I'm going to plug Christmas Morning Melodies again. I didn't do this enough last year. It'll be the third one. Uh, the third time I will be in this studio, in this chair, Christmas morning at 10 o'clock UK time, and it will be live. And it'll be till noon, so it's two hours. And I will replay it afterwards for 12 or 14 hours thereafter, okay? For people who might be 12 hours or 10 hours or 9 hours behind us who might want to listen to it when they emerge from the feathers on Christmas morning. So that's uh, Christmas Morning Melodies this Sunday, Christmas Day, December 25th, 10 o'clock, me, the BPG. I did that last year and the year before and I loved it. It was great crack, wasn't it? If you listen to it, it was just a lovely thing. So we'll do it again this year 
and uh, yeah, giving you the heads up on that. Back to your comments. It's uh, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. I don't even think you really need to have an account, do you? Or am I wrong to do it? I'm not sure. I don't know. These are things I don't know. Let's have a look back there. Yes. Herself asks me, Richie, can you clarify a point on the Irish language for me? We called little boys bobbeens and little girls nannines. Well, you see, we would call little boys bukali and we would call little girls colini herself. She says, little birds birdeens in our house growing up. Am I right to assume that the suffix een means small? It does, but it's i fada n, not e-e-n. And I'm really embarrassed now because when I studied Irish, I didn't study at third level. I did it for my leaving certificate. My standard of Irish was pretty good. And now the guy who earlier claimed to have a memory, whereby if he read something once, he wouldn't forget it. What is the Irish word for bird or birds? Wow. Why is that gone out of my mind? Hmm. Angela came back to say she agrees. She feels the same about hearing that obnoxious people have become ill. I wish them no harm. There are some individuals at the top of the world economic form. I wouldn't mourn, though. Yeah, the only thing is, Angela, they just replaced them with other people, you know. Leslie says, I'm pretty sure James Whale wished harm on many people who refused the jab. He did. I played a clip. I don't have it to hand. Whale did say that he... He, he 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 hoped something along the lines that he hoped that those who refused the job would disappear fairly quickly. But don't be like him. Why would you be like him? He's obviously angry and nasty and knotted up inside and twisted. Don't be like that. Let nature, let the energetic universe take care of everybody. And if it decides that you know, there's some bad karma coming for people. Don't rejoice in that. Just let it happen. Like I said, I hope the guy recovers. You see, everybody's got something on in the bank. I said this many years ago to somebody. When they were, when cancel culture was just beginning. When people were being destroyed for doing something. Not killing somebody but just making a mistake or or saying the wrong thing. And other people wanted them destroyed. And I said, why don't we remember that everybody's got something in the bank? Everybody's done something good. Most people have. Most human beings have. They've got something in the bank. They've been nice to people. They've done something for people. We've all got something in the bank. Let's never forget that. And on that theme, I remember many years ago, James Whale had a late night television show on ITV and it was very good and he wasn't so obnoxious he was obnoxious but he wasn't so obnoxious and um, there were lots of very interesting discussions on that late night television programme with Whale yes, okay let's uh, scroll on Patricia says I like Megan I think she's lovely and no matter whether she's woke or spoiled no one deserves to have such crass comments made about them she doesn't deserve it says Patricia as I am a nosy bint I've watched their documentary series and I think it's a true love story. Patricia says, Harry and Meghan, it's real love. Jeremy Clarkson is an ignorant git, says Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Don't hold back there. Amen. Okay. Going to drag some music out. Then, going to give Ryan Christian a ring. 
we're going to have a chat. And if there's something you'd like me to put to Ryan, you can ask me via the website richieallen.co.uk. Why didn't you have a song lined up, Paulie? Because I've nothing else going on. And I've been talking to you and I've not been paying any attention to the play-out system. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do now? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll play a bit of Lou Reed. Lou Reed will do us, won't he? Won't he, I said? Bit of Lou Reed coming up for you. After that, it'll be Ryan Christian. This is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Lou Reed hanging round on the Richie Allen Show. Ten minutes past six. It is in the UK this wonderful Tuesday, the 20th of December, 2022. Ah, well, the best laid plans of mice and men. So it's looking like tomorrow we'll be speaking with Father Frank Pavone. That'll be interesting, that. But I'll tell you what'll be even more interesting. Standing by is none other than the brilliant broadcaster and journalist, the man behind the last American Vagabond.com. It's the one and only Ryan Christian. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Richie, it's always a pleasure to join you. How you're, are you? You're a gent. You're a gent because I've known you for years and you're always there. I, I said to the missus today, I said, I'm going to ask Ryan to come on. I never give the man any notice, ever. <laughs> a proper journalist, and I don't give you any notice. And you, 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 I don't think you've ever said no to me. So thanks. I, uh, by the way, your, your interview with uh, Peter McCulloch is brilliant. I want to talk about that in a second. Thank Excellent you. journalism. Before we talk about that, have you heard of this guy, Father Frank Pavone? He's a really interesting character. He um, has worked for the Trump administration on pro-life issues. He's just been defrocked by the Vatican, which doesn't happen very often when a priest is basically kicked out of the church. And it's it's down to, I think, his stance on abortion and his kind of pro-Donald Trump uh, stance. But I've been chatting away with him today. He comes across a really nice fella. He did something really extreme a few years ago. He placed... Um, a dead fetus on the altar to kind of rally his congregation into taking up the pro-life fight. Interesting character, this guy. And he's just been kicked out of the Vatican. What do you reckon to that? Have we lost uh, I'm not, I, Yeah, I was muted. Apologies. I'm not very familiar with the story. Me neither um, till today. But, but but what's interesting is just I find it hard to believe that I don't even know how it makes sense to, uh, to argue that the church would kick a priest yeah. out for being anti-abortion. <laughs> like, that's a strange contradictory stance. Yeah, would have, would have been and will be my first question to the gentleman. Yeah, absolutely right. Anyway, to more important matters. You, of course, have been covering events here in the UK where members of Parliament are managing to get debates going about injuries, about vaccine injuries. And in your own country, the state of Indiana and elsewhere, evidence is emerging that the jabs are either completely let's say inactive. They're not doing very much in terms of protecting people, but they're causing real harm. And that um, interview you did with Peter McCulloch, folks, go to the thelastamericanvagabond.com. Evidence is emerging day by day, Ryan, right? It's it's overwhelming. I, I mean, I've been saying that this has been exposed, you know, proven to be what we're talking about for a year now. And I believe that, it, it peer-reviewed science and so on. But we're at a point now where, you know, we've got the likes of people like Dr. Asim, Asim Holtra, Dr. Peter McCullum, Malone, and, and, and plenty of others. And now you're starting to see, you know, heads of cardiology and doctors in UK and Scotland and it just individually entire health ministries of countries coming out and saying, like, we're not going to do this at all anymore. I, like one of the people in, I think, Denmark said, I wouldn't even take this myself. 
And so at this point, it's becoming near impossible to pretend this is what was the thing in the beginning, a bunch of anti-science conspiracy theorists in their mother's basements, like, you know, trying to really degrade them or, you know, make them sound stupid and childish. At this point, at the very least, you have to acknowledge that this is up in the air, right? You can't just keep yelling safe and effective and, re and, and acting like, I mean, the, the ridiculous part of that, to make it as clear as possible, the people yelling trust the science are at this moment completely disregarding the science. Because the peer review, the body of peer reviewed evidence around just like, let's just take one point. And there's a many, there's many of them. Myocarditis, for example, is overwhelming at this point. The conversation started where it was a fake news story, wasn't even happening. Then they begrudgingly had to admit that it's very, very, very rare, but there. Now we're at a point where it's what, between one in 5,000 and one in 3,500 based on the most current peer reviewed studies. Yeah. I mean, that's catastrophically bad. And yet they're still pushing it right now with that data out there. What do you think will be the legacy media's approach to this in the coming months? Is there any chance at all that they will cut their losses and say, we can't keep preventing, we, we can't keep deplatforming McCulloch and, and everybody else, there's so many other scientists. Do you, do, you, do you think there's a possibility the media might say, right, we've got to cover this now? I mean, it, I mean, Sure, there's always a possibility, but I think at the end of the day, it would only reason that would happen is if that was decided that that was the only choice that was left. Yeah. And that may be where we're going. But I, I find that almost an impossibility, quite frankly, because I think we're at a point now where the people that have been maintaining this lie this long are now very aware that everybody else is becoming aware that they're that they know this was dangerous. Right. At some level, whether it was in the beginning, which there that exists, there's undeniable proof that people were aware of these problems. Like one point in that interview, for example, that Dr. Peter McCullough makes is that they were funding into areas aggressively and specifically all of them, in fact, where the problems later arose. So how do you explain that? So they like in, in, for instance, in heart research and heart, like the problem is that they were at some level aware these problems were there and they began to influence and fund and, and he says bribe these people to eventually now where we can see them being silent, right? You don't have high level cardiologists like Asim Holter and Dr. McCullough standing up and saying, I've never in my life seen this many patients coming in with myocarditis ever. And it's like 10 times as many of the, of the pre-COVID. And not think that every other one of these cardiologists in the world is also seeing the same thing and not talking about it. Right. So I find it impossible to believe that the corporate media would come to a point because they're culpable, too. Right. They've they've been towing this line to where they would suddenly just shift and go, well, you got us. We you know, we've been lying. I think this is going to go down in, in, a, in a flaming like th this is going to be this is a cornered animal. Right. They're going to push back yeah. as much as they can until somebody is dragged to prison. It's very but rare that we disagree. Very rare. I I'm I'm not I'm not actually disagreeing with you. There is another scenario. There is an out for the media. I think there is an out and the out is that the media does that um see no evil hear no evil thing. The media comes out and says, "Listen, we're becoming aware of all of these you know adverse events and and myocarditis. I know it's bu bullshit. It'll sound bullshit, Ryan, but it's still there for them to say we trusted these people. These people are now. Of course, you and I will say, well, hang on a second. We know that you wouldn't allow Peter McCullough to go on the BBC. We know that you wouldn't allow Martin Kuldorf. But I still think that window is there for them. That they could. Yeah. It's brazen to do that, but they might do and say, listen, we we believe these people. We believe Billy Gates and Tony yeah. Blair and all these people. But look, you're probably right. That's no, that's a fair point, actually. But I would just think I would argue those are different things. Right. Because on the first yeah. argument, the first point is whether they're going to essentially come out and and just be honest, I guess, yeah. engagement with yeah. the conversation and be like, oh, yeah, this is now happening versus them 
giving you an explanation about why what they did was not wrong. They just were conf- like, right now, here's an example. We're seeing them across the board now in a lot of different aspects of this argue that, well, we just had limited information and we did what we thought was right. And now we see it's a problem. So now we're adjusting. But then how exactly did we know about it then? Right. Like someone like Ben Shapiro was out there making the rounds over the last so many months saying, you know, they tricked us and they lied to us. And it's like, OK, well, yeah. the only reason that's even possible is because you were not doing your job as a journalist. You were listening to what they told you. It said and reporting that like the CDC. Well, the CDC said, well, that's not journalism. That's blindly taking at face value what the authority said the truth is. So it's amazing to see people like them have the goal to come out and say they lied to us. You know, we knew this in 2020. We showed the information about transmission and so on. Right. So on top of that, I argue to go further into your point, one of the obvious ways they're going to try to get around this is to simply continue the narrative to a point to where something else can be pointed at and then just simply argue the only reason it never ended then was because the unvaccinated because they didn't do what they were supposed to and and people will grab onto that and then all you and all that ends up happening is yeah now it is killing people but it's only doing that because the unvaccinated didn't do what they were told now it mutated it's still their fault that's actually kind of already been argued so it just really depends on whether they push it in further personally i just don't see it coming to an end with them being admitting the reality no, I that's, think, that's what I, I, th- I think you're right i mean back in 2020 people like thomas binder the uh cardiologist I think based he might be in Germany was mm. was phoning guys like me and like what are you coming to me for I knew the answer because they he couldn't get on national telly in Germany he couldn't get on telly in the UK and they arrested him Thomas Spinder mm. this cardiologist mm-hmm. and you, you remember this guy um, Bakhti in Germany came on this program in mid 2020 and said these jobs this is crazy these mRNA jobs and here's something else that we must mention you are listening by the way to Ryan Christian thelastamericanvagabond.com fantastic website I know you know it if you haven't seen it before get on it and support the independent media do you know there, Moderna, as you've been reporting on, Moderna has begun trialing a cancer, a skin cancer mRNA jab. So mm. there's so much invested in this. We know the companies themselves are never going to admit it, ever, not in a million years. They're pushing ahead with let's make mRNA jabs for as many conditions as we possibly can, make millions, and it doesn't matter how much damage we do. So they're never going to put their hands up and say, oh, we might have got this one wrong. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree completely. And I I think that the danger is that this is unproven at best. And this is the problem with the propagandized. Like, I I, I liken this to the argument that the government says, we never told anybody Iraq was involved with 9-11. But when you poll the public, (laughs) 99% thought Iraq was involved with 9-11. That's how this works, right? The same game with this is that, you know, they're acting like, well, this technology has been proven 20 years ago. Well, no, they failed over and over and over right up until they magically succeeded in four different ways with four different companies at the exact same time. Nobody should believe that. Right. So the point is that people argue that mRNA has been proven now. Right. This is this is a proven platform. So we should be sprinting forward. And the problem is that what we're watching is explicitly showing you the opposite. Right. People are dying. People are being hurt. They're covering it up. But you're, it's not just cancer. I mean, they're right now rolling out mRNA for damn near everything, as you pointed out. I mean, as far as I can tell, they're working on HIV. They're, all these are in the works right now. Obesity. And then realize that means they're being tested on people behind the scenes while the pandemic is going on. Yeah. I don't believe that's what's happening, but the argument is that's not supposed to be the way that's done. That can cause other problems. Obesity is one. Imagine that. Imagine that you would, you would get to a place in society where people would think it perfectly natural and reasonable to take a job when they are young to prevent them from becoming obese. Man, that that's horrifying to me. I mean, that's so now not only now are you using 
illness that you could argue is manufactured to then justify treatments that cause more illness. But you're also now pointing at things that are completely preventable by actually being healthy. Yeah. Right. So instead of just being healthy, oh, just take another injection. I mean, this is the problem. It's it's like dealing with an opioid crisis and the solution being let's give everybody Narcan. No, let's deal with the problem. Right. Let's start training people to be healthy. Let's start training people to exercise or teaching them, I mean, and, you know, teaching them to take vitamin D and vitamin C as opposed to going directly to pharmaceuticals. But they don't want this, as you know, because their business model depends on it. The last American Vagabond.com, Ryan Christian, live on the Richie Allen Show, 22 minutes nearly past uh, the hour of six o'clock here in Salford in the northwest of the UK. T- talk to us about moves to um, not, not impeach, of course, not impeach, but moves to pin the Capitol riot of nearly two years ago on Donald Trump and news on that. What, what, what's happening, Ryan? Is, is Trump ever likely? to be sitting in front of a panel of congressmen or senators or congresswomen or or, 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 or further than that, even end up in a court of law, you know, pertaining to what happened uh, nearly two years ago. What's happening at the moment? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Sadly, I mean, look, just to be clear, I, I, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. And I've made that clear over the years. I don't think, I mean, I, I think it's all part of a manipulation in general. Nonetheless, to argue that he should be somehow guilty for what happened on January 6th is is laugh out loud ridiculous to me you know i mean like the idea that somebody who outspokenly was saying don't do this or you know whatever and then they just repackage it and frame it as something else it's like saying there were good people on both sides and then turning that into supporting of nazis right it's just it's absurd now i'm no fan and i'm not going to argue that donald trump isn't guilty of all sorts of things but this is not one of them and i think the problem here is that what I see, and again, to answer your question, I think the answer is yes. Sadly, I see this coming, if, I, if I'm correct, that I think Trump was always meant to be a scapegoat, or at the very least be used as the great divider, as many of us talked about, and maybe, maybe he doesn't even realize that, or maybe he's part of it. I don't know. But I do know that what was promised in the way, I mean, even from QAnon to Trump and everything else, none of it went the way that the Republicans and people supported him thought it would. Now, that could be because he was never going to, or because it, he was stopped. I don't know. But now... I think this is a a very pinnacle moment of where he could be, they could lay at his feet. Obviously, January 6th was nothing that they pretended is. It was not 9-11. It's kind of ridiculous to pretend that. But then they're building on the back of this lie, the argument of the rising white supremacy threat, the, as I call the vanilla ISIS argument or the MAGA trap. And I think that there's, Obviously, people that are extremists in pretty much any category you can point at, but what they're pretending this ent- entity is or the, you know, I guess all Republicans is just not true. But if they effectively put Trump or they arrest him, let's say, for being culpable somehow for, for January 6th, which I don't even know how it's possible in a, an honest court of law, but that could start the whole thing where they then justify actions being taken against anybody involved in the MAGA group, let's say, or yeah. anybody speaking things about Ukraine or COVID-19 misinformation. It just it opens the gates. That's where I see that going. I hope it doesn't happen. A politician has, should have every right to declare, if they believe it to be true, they should have every right to say that they do not have any trust in the process. And, right. you know, that I believe I was robbed. I mean, he, he got the most, he got the second most votes in history, didn't he? I mean, most every other president, president that won before Trump didn't get as many votes. Is that right? I mean, I've, like I'm, never one to, I'm never one to lean into the statistics because I know how all I know easily it's difficult, can be manipulated. It? But yeah. I would simply point out that did they was there cheating against Trump? 100%. It's been proven. But was there cheating on the other side too? Yes, there was. Yeah. I think there's cheating on all sides in every presidential de- election that we could point at. I mean, for, for crying out loud, the Democrats, as everybody knows, 
were moments ago screaming that Russia elected Trump. And it's just so, so then the moments later, you're not allowed to question the integrity of the election. I mean, it just none of that makes sense. And everybody can kind of see that. So at the end of the day, it's just about choosing to aggressively push in one political agenda. You know, it's, they're all being we're all being lied to. But so but to be clear, Trump, there was cheating for sure. And to your point, every single politician should have the right to say that because yeah. we know it happens. We know it's possible. So to argue you're not allowed to question it, it's just it's it's all these points are waking people up, I think. The, there's no way that makes sense. Is it not, if it's possible to cheat, then you should be allowed to argue it happened. That's a very good point you make about it happening on both sides because um, that that speaks to something that was said on the BBC today. A democratic commentator who actually has a bit of sympathy for Trump um, was on talking about this particular issue and said something similar, like, uh, as you said there, Ryan, that this happens all the time and it happens on both sides. So with that, with that being, if we accept that then, shouldn't Trump have handed the victory to Biden and acknowledged Biden pretty much ASAP because he would know that if it was being done to him, it was also being done uh, to Biden and we wouldn't have had this big lapse in the time that the transfer of power took place. That's a fair point yeah. that Trump would have known, right? Look, it happens. If, if it happened to me, it happened to him. He got the, you know, he, he, he's done it. He's got the electoral votes. To hell with it. Let's just walk away. Yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point. I, again, I, it's hard. I, I still personally think that Trump was aware more than people want to believe. Right. And that would speak to your point there is that the, I, I would argue the reason this was done. I mean, you could follow the trail of events from that all the way to where we are now, even in regard to Ukraine, COVID-19, all this stuff connects. And so I think I personally think that the game was to create this exact situation, right, to challenge it, to make him become the. And I don't know whether Trump was sold something else. You know, I mean, he still seems to promote the vaccine warp speed. I don't understand that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think it's because that was what was supposed to happen. Because once you challenge it, then you can create the idea these people are threatening democracy and then it becomes the threat that you're using to justify the war on domestic terrorism. It's all one next one steps into the other, right? But to take it yeah. from the other angle, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I don't want to be interrupting you. These are brilliant points you were making. And, and on that, you know, Trump was, 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 was pushing ivermectin and he was pushing hydroxychloroquine. And then, and then he backed off. And then we remember him very early on talking about going after... I mean, Hil Hillary Clinton and her husband, they're about two of the biggest crooks the world has ever known, at least in our lifetime anyway. And Trump said, let's, let's get these people. He said, great. And then he didn't. And the point I'm yeah. making is, I don't think he's the greatest actor that ever lived. I think he meant this stuff. And I'm not trying to be childish now and to make this a silly interview. But I wonder, are there interventions? Like some of these... Prime ministers or, or or presidents over the years, do some of them think right? I'll do this because it's the right thing to do. And then you get shown, I don't know. Well, look at what happened to JFK. Um, mm. Look at what happened to um, 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 what, what, uh, Hugo Chavez. Look at what happens. You you don't mess with the globalists. So I wonder, was there some sincerity with Trump, particularly because you mentioned like he's you know he's gone full speed ahead vaccine now. This is the guy who was saying use these drugs. They're they're effective. They do really well. And then he backed off. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. I mean, I, obviously, one of the one of the th uh, avenues of thought is any president or anybody in the power can, you know, get what's called the JFK talk, right? Where they where yeah. suddenly somebody steps in with all these fat, you know, great ideas about changing the world, and then the dark shadow entities sit around and basically say, "Look, here's the deal, right? You can't do this, and here's why." And the point would be that. It's so dark and so severe to the part that we probably couldn't even imagine that you that's why you would end up going to jail and never tell the truth. 
because you, what would happen to your family or so on, right? This is all just hypothetical, right? The point is we know that's possible. So it's certainly possible that somebody kind of set him straight. And we did see sort of a shift at some point. But there's also the other angle to this, and which is that people, you know, there's plenty of people that you that I, you can look through history and argue that it, it seems that they at least tried to be honest. But then they stepped into the system and realized right away that there's nothing to be done without playing the game because that's how the system is built. So you have to compromise yourself and that gets used against you later. And I don't even I don't even mean like sexual blackmail. That happens, too. I mean, like you just you know, you OK, I'll give you this disgusting bill that promotes war so I can eventually try to do this to say help yeah, Yemen, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Right. And the problem is that never it just it's it's a false idea. It doesn't happen. The system is built to ensure that these things never change what they want to, that what maintains their control. So it could be both. I mean, Trump, you know, maybe he wasn't aware of how things truly worked. And so he stepped into it with the idea of doing what he thought was going to happen. And it just didn't pan out. But then I would argue, then why is he still promoting the vaccine? Yeah. Why is he still doing things that completely challenge what his base at its core are saying right now? Great you know, points. we have to go back and point out the as Whitney Webb's done great work on the, the history around Trump and the shadowy, the Rothschild banks that essentially bailed him out. Because they said on the record that he as an entity was more important to them than than the money itself, you know, and, and what did that mean? And maybe nothing or maybe everything. Maybe that's what's influencing everything he's done since then. We have to ask these questions. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we've pondered these subjects for years and years and years. How do they how do they corrupt them? When do they start? Do they start right. when they're in university? Do they start when they are young businessmen and women? Absolutely brilliant uh, commentary, this. And, 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 and on this, oh, Patricia Braunschweiler has been on from Switzerland, just to point out that Dr. Thomas Binder uh, is in fact uh, Swiss. Thanks for that, Patricia. What Ryan has been describing there, this has been depicted brilliantly in a television series called Yellowstone, which stars mm -hmm. Kevin Costner. Have you seen this, Ryan? Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. We, we've, yeah, we, we fell in love with it, my missus and myself. Now, I don't want to give too many spoilers for our listeners who might watch it, but at some stage in the, in the serial drama, which is Yellowstone, Kevin Costner becomes governor of Montana. That's all we'll say, right? And early on, he comes to have his first meeting with his team, and there's a huge table. It's like a big dining table, and there are lots and lots and lots of advisors there. And those advisors are there to tell him what his opinions are, what his positions are on the various subjects. Now, Ryan Christian knows this better than I know it, and I'm sure you know it as well, but for people listening to this programme for the first time, these people, these advisors, and in England they call them civil servants, they are, they emerge from like the London School of Economics, they, they emerge from think tanks, which are controlled by globalists, uh, and people like Bill Gates and others. And they come into the picture just after somebody gets elected to a big role, like a state governor. And they say, right, this is what you can do here. This is what you can do there. It's a brilliant metaphor, that show, when he comes mm -hmm. into that room for the first time. And he says to this girl, his, um, his PA, he says, who the hell are all these people? And she basically says, well, they're here to tell you what to do. Huh. <laughs> Amazing. It, it, it is. It's everywhere. I mean, you could take the example of Trump. You know, and, and argue that maybe he genuinely thought that bringing in a bunch of people that knew better and, you know, like he kept arguing, well, I don't know, but I know the experts that do and I'll bring them in. And that becomes Pompeo and Bolton and, and Abrams and like the worst of the worst of the worst. And so it's like, well, is the, did he did he genuinely think that was the right move or yeah. was, are we watching the real government operate? You know, like the Reagan esque kind of like continuity of government, shadow government beginnings that became you know, whatever it is today, that the intelligence apparatus or however it works, the point is that there is sort of a parallel government entity that people might argue are the real people behind the scenes. You know, the reality is that if there are really these kind of people that are that powerful, the argument would be that we wouldn't, we don't know who they are. 
right? Like the, even yeah. in the world that it is today, that they could effectively operate from behind the scenes. And then you, and even with that regard, even the pe- groups like the Rothschilds and Rockefellers, it's odd how little attention they get with how wildly influential they are. That's one example of how that seems to be some something to point at. But, you know, they're, they're, no, no, they're that's are, good. Stay with that. Hang real on. Rulers. Sorry, Go sorry, no, sorry, Ryan. sorry for interrupting. Stay with that. That's very good. Whether it be Oppenheimer, Warburg, Rothschild, whether right. it be uh, Goldman Sachs, very little, if any, coverage. Like little or none. And, you know, the the, the cartel that makes up the, the World Bank, very little is known about the people who sit on the board of the World Bank and who they are and what they do. And I, I suppose some people are scared of getting into it. Some journalists are scared of getting into it because, I don't know, they fear accusations of bigotry or or, or whatever. It's not a Jewish Always. conspiracy. It isn't. And uh, right. um, it's, 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 it's short-sighted and nonsensical uh, to talk about that. It's not. But, um, but, but people, are, people are very reluctant to go down that avenue. Who are these people? Where does the money come from? You right. know, right. What is well, the I Fed? Mean, it, it, historically speaking, you can show. And again, I'm glad you said that because, you know, it, it's it's almost in, it's infuriating that we even have to counterbalance these statements to the example, like to say the Israeli government did something or to say yeah, the Rothschilds yeah, yeah, yeah. were involved. It becomes like a wink, wink, nudge kind of thing. And it's like, no, that's I said what I meant. I'm talking about the government and their actions. I'm talking about these families. Right. It's important. And but the, the, the history, historically speaking, you can go back to pretty much. I mean, as far as I can tell, every war you can point at and find that these powerful families were funding both sides of these wars. And that and this is historical information. And so you could argue that is more about them and their personal you know, success. But historically, you can see how influential they've been at every step of the way. I mean, even let's point to the the one piece of the larger document called Lockstep. That's a Rockefeller funded doc. You know, there's a lot of these connected points. I mean, how about just taking an easy example of showing how, you know, these magazines will do like the top 20 most influential people or the top 20 richest people <laughs> in the world. And oddly, they're never even included. Never get a look in. Never get a look in. Occasionally, Hello Magazine or OK Magazine will cover a wedding. Uh, very rarely, though. And, and yeah. that's that. But no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's an absolutely brilliant point. I, I don't believe for, I mean, we, we know that Israeli men, women and children under the same COVID jackboot as everybody else. Um, right. you, you know, my, my accountants are, are, are friends of mine. They happen to be uh, Jewish guys. Um, Jewish people in this country are just as subjected to the tyranny as all the rest of us. But they're very right. clever at this. You know, Rothschild Inc. is a major player in global events and in driving global events as is the Rockefeller um, Corporation. You only have to look at the round table groups and all, all of that money uh, going back years. But it's a brilliant point, right? It's a brilliant point. You never hear so much as a whisper about them. There is a famous photograph, isn't there, in the public domain, although you don't see it very often. Is it Jacob Rothschild poking the then mm-hmm. Prince Charles in the chest with, with his forefinger? And there's a, lovely, yeah. there's a lovely caption underneath it. Who gets to poke the heir to the throne in the chest like that? Right, right. Somebody it's, it's will, hilarious. Yeah. I, it just it shows you the real power, right? Yeah. Ultimately, you know, you get to poke the king, you know, or yeah. prince or whoever it was. It's just kind of funny, but yeah, that that's the reality is that the the money and the influence behind the scenes is the is the you know the the part we don't get to see. Going back to the Trump point and how you know whether or not that's at the very least influencing decisions being made. But I think we have that's a guarantee. The question should be whether or not it's deciding the decision. You know what I mean? Or deciding what happens next? Are they influencing? I think that's a guarantee. You know, that that alone, I mean, just look at like, for instance, the young global leaders example, right? This is now a public, a public topic. It wasn't before, but we now know that whether or not you think it's nefarious, you have an, you have an unelected entity that is influencing 
almost ever like the most Western and, and leading cabinets of governments around the world and having people that he even says we infiltrated their cabinets. That's his term. He used the and term. So the didn't point he? is, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, sorry, just confirmation. He did use that term, infiltration. Yeah, Shvob, that's, yeah. that's exactly what he said. And, and the, con the concerning part there is that even if you think that he thinks he's doing the right thing, is that what we voted for? Like that, that oh, there's no way you could look at that and not think that's concerning unless there's clearly something they don't want us to stop. That's how I look at it, because that's not OK. That does not align with any concept of republic, democracy, anything. It, it, it's counterintuitive. Final point, a final topic we can discuss for three or four minutes before um, we let you get back to it. TheLastAmericanVagabond.com. You're listening to Ryan Christian, proper writer, proper broadcaster. Tell me this, uh, this obviously developing this afternoon, the COP15 Biodiversity Summit is winding up in, in Canada and 200 countries have signed up to this thing. Um, to this kind of accord where they want to turn the tide on nature destruction. So that's a direct quote. They want to put 30% of the planet, basically, in special measures. 30% of the planet is going wow. to become a no-go area for anybody, you know, for, for man, woman or child. And we can extrapolate this out. And this is going to sound very basic to some of our listeners. But ultimately, this is a, an opinion of mine. It's just my opinion. I could be wrong. But um, eventually rural living and coastal living is going to be a thing of the past isn't it and the, like with 30% of the planet being put de designated no go area let it wild let it grow let it flourish again well that obviously extrapolates out to your 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 countryside your 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 rural spaces well we can't have people living there and we we know they're decommissioning coastal zones already in the UK because of the the massive lie in my opinion is that we'll be under 10 feet of water by 2050 so 30% a it's getting real now Ryan wow i mean i that's Almost shocking. I mean, like, first of all, just for all the people all this time that were screaming down anybody saying that Agenda 2030 in part was about pushing everybody into the cities, right? Remember that yeah, topic? Yeah, and, oh, yeah. conspiracy theory. Well, there you go. Right? Literally, that's happening now. And I think the important part to see is that this is about controlling your life. Who decided this? We're talking about an unelected body deciding for the world your free movement, where you are and are not allowed to go or live. I mean, that this is very alarming. And it exposes exactly what we've always been concerned about, whether or not they believe what they're doing is the right thing. You know, that, that's the worst part about this. And then what happens after that? What's the next step? You know, the, the problem is that the only thing they're like the argument that if people left to their devices, like existing in the middle of nature is somehow a problem. That's absurd because the problem is not the average person in their lifestyle. The problem is the government, the military, the corporations, and that bleeds out into the people's lives. But the people, by and large, causing these kind of problems are the ones living in the cities Yeah. because that's the kind of lifestyle they lead. Right. I mean, it's just it's so backward. What they're ultimately trying to do is, I argue, I mean, look, look at what they're doing around with the energy, the, the, uh, the, food, the food supply chain. They're the ones collapsing these things. So it sounds like what they're trying to do is argue that they're trying to save it by doing exactly what they're going to do, which will hurt it. That's just my personal opinion. Either way, that what we're watching is the example of them showing you that they think they have control over everyone's lives. Whether or not they've been elected or whether or not you believe in the illusion of democracy, they are showing you the truth right now. You don't have a choice. We're telling you it's for your best interest. Shut up and do what you're told. That's where we are, and that scares me. Let's hope that the emerging evidence that seems to be breaking the dam 
in terms of reaching people who had no idea. Let's hope that that goes some way to, you know, alerting more people to to this conspiracy because it is a conspiracy against humanity. You've had a brilliant uh, 2022, pal. The last American Vagabond.com. Congratulations to you and everybody at um, the at, at the website and the broadcasting to 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 listen to watch Ryan's interview with Peter McCulloch, with Dr. Peter McCulloch, go to thelastamericanvagabond.com. Merry Christmas to you and yours, buddy, and a happy new year, and I look forward to speaking to you next year. You too, brother. Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me on. A pleasure. Ryan Christian, folks, live on Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Great to have Ryan on. Thelastamericanvagabond.com. The time is 19 minutes now to the top of the hour. I will take a tune when I come back. It's your comments, so it is. And there are plenty of them. Now, this is The Lighthouse Family, and a song called Lifted... Hey, don't forget, Christmas Morning Melodies coming this Sunday morning, Christmas Day the 25th at 10 o'clock UK time in the morning. It's going to be fun. Get a bottle of Baileys. Get a bottle of Baileys. Have it handy. Baileys. I really love to be alone without all the... The Lighthouse family lifted on the Richie Allen Show. Leslie came back to say, interesting discussion, but it falls apart when you say it's all about the money. I didn't say it's all about the money, and I don't think Ryan did either. He said, on some levels, for some, it's about the money, but it's about something far deeper than that. We both know that, I think. Um, But thanks, Leslie, for that. Uh, Thanks to Steve T uh, for the link. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate that. Uh, let's scroll on down there. I'm just going back to what Patricia was saying. That's right. Uh, Thomas Binder is a Swiss doctor, the cardiologist, who came on this program in 2020. He was on again shortly after that. He came on because he was committed to a psychiatric hospital for making, quote, dangerous comments, unquote, sorry, end quote, on the shots, dangerous comments. Uh, he was released when he consented to taking psychi- psychiatric medicine and uh, to be tested regularly to be sure he was taking it. All of the doctors who had the courage to tell the truth about these experimental shots are true heroes, says Patricia. I second that. Like when you think back to mid-2020 when they began to tell us that they would have jabs by Christmas, that they would have mRNA jabs, and they would have a traditional jab because the Oxford AZ jab was the traditional one and Pfizer and Moderna were the were the mRNA jabs, right? And Glaxo as well. Anywho, yeah, guys like Bakhti, he reached out to me, Bakhti. He had a book coming out. Of course he wanted to flog the book, obviously. I, I get that. But um, he was looking for in, independent news programmes which had some sort of a significant reach because he couldn't get on the mainstream. He was horrified. He's like, these jabs are going to do a lot of damage. And if you think back, they said we would begin to see the impact of these jabs, they said around about a year to 18 months afterwards. Now, we are a year, are we not? Yes, we are just over a year since they had these jabs. Or is it two years? It's a year, isn't it? When did they roll out the jabs? It was... um. Late 2020. So it's coming up on two years, is it? Now, isn't it amazing the things that go out of your head? It was um, very late, yes, very late 2020, that's right, when they came out. So two years. So he said a year to 18 months we would see the, yeah, because it was some woman, some senior lady who was given the first jab live on television and Matt Hancock, the then health secretary, pretended to cry, didn't he, on Good Morning Britain, pretended to be overcome by emotion 
that the jab rollout had had arrived. Matt Hancock. This is where I move on and talk about something else. Don't continue to talk about Matt Hancock. You might get into trouble. And a number of you have come back to me to say the Irish word for bird is ain. That's right, E-A-N, of course. In fact, just before I got Ryan on, I did look it up. Thank you, Colin. How could I forget that? Uh, when was the last time you spoke Irish? The last time I spoke Irish was to an Irishman in Spain many years ago. He had decent Irish. He was from Limerick. He was a big hurling fan, lovely guy. And he had more than a couple of fuckle, which means a couple of words he'd more than. And he challenged me. He used to come in regularly and start barking. Irish at me, Gaeilge, and uh, I was floundering at times to remember phrases and words, but it was good for me. It's a lovely language, the Irish language, it's a beautiful language, but uh, I'll have to ask because I don't know. I haven't lived in Ireland for nearly 20 years. Is it being, is it being spo- spoken even outside of the Gaeiltocht? Now, a Gaeltocht is a region in, in Ireland where Irish is the is the primary language. When I was a young boy, I briefly visited on Ring in uh, West uh, Waterford. Well, more like uh, more like Cork. That is Ring, and Ring is a little village in Cork where Irish, the Irish language, is the primary language. Amazing, brilliant stuff. We do have an Irish television channel, don't we? It's called TG Car, TG Four, and there are lots of sport on there with uh, Irish language commentary and soap operas and stuff like that as well. How is it doing now, the Irish language? It used to be compulsory to have a an honour, an A, B or a C, in the Irish language in order to get into university. That was the case when I went to university, the first time. I was so stupid, I did it twice, but they you did have to have Irish. You also had to have maths. Shocking. And Emmett came on to say the Irish word for bird, Richie, is Colleen. Wink, wink. That's right. I should have... Well done, Emmett. You're bang on. Diane says, I've no feelings about James Whale. If he recovers, all well and good. And if he doesn't, then that is unfortunate. But it alters nothing, says Diane. That's true. That's true, but you're not in... You're not in the place... You're you're not in the frame of mind where you want the guy to pay because of his behaviour during the the lockdowns and, and I know that Diane and that's that, that's okay don't be that person where you want to punish him don't punish him it's amazing how many people claim to have not, not not so much a Christian background but claim to be Christian claim to believe in God and yet they want to see people like James Whale punished they want harm to come to him but that that's not Christian that's not even that's that's not any religion that isn't Judaism, it isn't Islam, where you want people to die just because they've not been nice to somebody else. I mean, James Whale did me a terrible disservice, but I don't hate him. I was just stunned, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. In fact, I've said it so many times, it's almost like I'm obsessed with it. Not, a, not just on this radio show, but I've said it to friends. So many times I've told this story... And it's not that I'm obsessed, funnily enough, it sounds like ridiculous, counterproductive. No, it's that I still cannot believe that it could happen. It's only 20-something years ago since I was producing commercial talk radio and presenting it. It just wouldn't happen if I'm on the radio. If I'm on the radio today and I am interviewing Paul, Paul Smith, 
And he's on there. And he's there and he's saying, that's Jean Ann Crowley, that actress, yeah. Um, well, she's a bit of a bad one, bit of a wrong one. And uh, she's got these opinions and she's she's pretty awful, that woman, terrible. And this is live now. And Jean Ann Crowley reaches out to the programme. Says, um, I'm listening, by the way. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Get me on. You would get the person on at the speed of light to cover your arse, you see. To legally cover your arse. I'd be like, get her on. Get her on before she changes her mind and phones a solicitor. Get her on. James Wales said, you're not coming on. And blocked me. So I couldn't speak to him on social media. So I'm not obsessed. I, just, I still cannot believe it happened. I still laugh with Hayden Hewitt about it when I talk to Hayden sometimes. So can you believe that? Like I said earlier on, I would have reported the station to Ofcom. I would have had my complaint upheld, but I wouldn't. What difference would it make? They would have fined him a few hundred quid. Slap on the wrist. Yeah. So I don't, you know, there are other people in my position would despise, would loathe, would really want to get their hands on James Whale. Not me. That's not who I am. James Whale is a symptom. That's all he is. He's a symptom. Sometimes you'll get a rash on your arm. You go scratching a rash, scratch it. And then you make yourself bleed. But the pimples are not the problem. Something else going on. You've got some other underlying disorder that needs to be treated. But you're scratching the pimples. James Whale is a pimple. James O'Brien is a pimple. As bad as they are, as wretched as they are, they are merely pimples, symptoms of something else. Something much, much, much deeper. The hidden hand described so eloquently by Ryan Christian earlier on. That's where the problem is. But how do you get to the hidden hand? Ryan made a great point. The people who run the biggest financial institutions on planet, planet Earth, forget Barclays, uh, forget Halifax, forget the Bank of Ireland, small potatoes. You're talking about the banks that make up the Fed, you're talking about... Uh, Rothschild Inc. You're talking about the Rockefeller Foundation. You're talking about Warburg, Oppenheimer. There are many others. Never, never, never a mention. Never see any of these people on, on news programs when the subject of money or finance comes up. Never. You never see any of these people. To talk about the global economy, let's welcome blah, blah, blah from Warburg. Never, never. From Goldman Sachs, very rarely. In the United States, maybe. Not so much here. Who are they? Then is there something else going on? Beyond them. These are the things you see. So they're only symptoms, these people. These uh, so-called journalists. These Muppets. Who, uh, yeah, they, they get well paid. In many cases. Six-figure salaries. Seven-figure salaries. In the case of some BBC people. More than a million quid a year. To sit there. And virtue signal. And lie and block discussions and ban people and make declarations like we don't talk about climate change anymore because the science is settled. So we will continue to tell people that the climate crisis is real and that everybody's going to die unless we drastically change the way we live. No, we don't have to get any balance on it because it's settled. So they get, they get well paid for that. Lots and lots of money, in fact. You know? This is what you get from the BBC. Have a listen to this, just in case you've forgotten. This is the BBC in all its glory. It's a rare example on the BBC where we're allowed to just, you know, say that the person who's saying the anti-vax message is, a, is, is wrong. 
you know, we're allowed to say that because of the science. Do you see what I'm saying? That's Emma Barnett. That hasn't aged well. That was a year and three months ago. I'm just looking at it here. Emma Barnett, whose father... No, don't go there, Richie. Don't do the ad hominem. doesn't matter who her father is. Um, that's Emma Barnett there, saying that we are allowed to be partial, BBC presenters, because the anti-vaxxers are wrong, because the science says they're wrong. Half a million people in this country have claimed to have been injured by a Pfizer jab. Several thousand believe that uh, the jab has killed someone close to them. Several thousand. It's nearly 3,000 now in this country. Listen again. It's a rare example on the BBC where we're allowed to just, you know, say that the person who's saying the anti-vax message is, is, is wrong. You know, we're allowed to say that because of the science. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't debate anti-vaxxers, she says. Another time. You know? We actually don't, as a matter of editorial policy, we don't debate with anti-vaxxers whether they're right yeah. or wrong. We actually... Whether they're right or wrong. We don't debate with anti... Even if they're right, like, and, and they're telling us that the vaccines are killing people, we don't, we don't debate them. Whether they're right yeah. or wrong. We actually don't yeah. do that. I wonder we if, actually don't... I wonder if Emma Barnett heard, heard that clip now and you showed her the yellow card data. Do you think there'd be any remorse at all? Annie, do you think so? I don't. Thank you so much to Ryan Christian. Thanks, Ryan. TheLastAmericanVagabond.com See you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Bye.